When I look in the mirror, I don't see wrinkles. When I look in the mirror, I see hair on my head, not my shoulder. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Bergen. This is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. And it's the fountain of truth about aging. And there is a couple of truths we don't want to look at. And that is that there are certain diseases of aging. Uh, if I say that, probably the first one that's going to come to your mind, if I say, what is a disease of aging? It's going to be Alzheimer's. That's the first one you're going to think of. But you know what? There is a group of scientists, and I mean the heavy hitters. These are the folks from Oxford, from Yale, from Harvard, from the great think tanks and the institutes in, uh, in science all over the world that look at aging a little bit differently. And they say that aging itself is a disease. And if we can cure aging, and they don't mean necessarily becoming immortal, we can also cure cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's, and neurodegeneration because they say these are only symptoms. These aren't diseases per se. We treat them that way. And therefore, we only look for their cure. But there is a prevention. And that prevention is stopping aging. And if you would see the science behind this, you would see that this is not science fiction. And this is the second conference that I've attended, Ending Age-Related Diseases. What a difference from a few years ago when these folks were really considered to be kookaboos to today when the United States government has given $2 billion for fighting Alzheimer's to the NIA, the National Institute on Aging, that is being distributed to these very scientists that feel that aging itself is the disease and can be actually prevented. Now, we don't have that now. And they admitted, they admitted all day long, that the one area that there is no cure for is Alzheimer's. They have not made the progress in areas of cancer, heart disease, other degenerative diseases as, uh, as they would like, but they have gotten farther. With Alzheimer's, all they told us was failed test after failed test, and that's the truth. So where do we go from here today? Well, we go to our guest, Dr. Elizabeth Shulman, and she wants everybody to know how to spell her name because her website is elizabethshulman.com, so that's S-H-U-L-M-A-N. Now, she's writer for Guidepost magazine, uh, founded by Norman Vincent Peale. You know, the, the, the great healer, a religious leader, philosopher. Uh, the magazine's name is Strength and Grace, and she has her own book out, Sanctuary in the Midst of Alzheimer's, a ministry for husbands and wives caring for a spouse with dementia. That is the reality of today. That is the fountain of truth. And uh, let's talk to Dr. Shulman. And also, of course, if you are in that situation or you know somebody who is, please take a look at the website sanctuaryinthemidst.com and you'll learn all about our book. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Shulman. Good morning, Adrian. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let, let's take a little bit of a dive. First, let's, let's concentrate and focus on the book itself. Somebody who has it, what will they find in there and what was your inspiration and motivation for writing it in the first place? The book is for churches and spousal caregivers to help um, congregations develop 
a plan or a, a ministry for spousal caregivers in their congregations. And the book came about uh, from my research um, interviewing spousal caregivers and um, getting a better understanding of their experience of marriage as they are caring for someone with Alzheimer's. Now, you know, one of the issues that I talk about a lot on this show because it affected my life was uh, losing a parent very early in life, and that's where I give my volunteer time. And what's happening Uh now is that uh, schools are realizing how many people who are young under the age of 12 are affected by that. Now, with regard Uh to family caregiving, particularly with Alzheimer's, it wasn't looked at as, you know, such a big problem, and it it was not the norm. But as we are living longer, it's becoming the Uh norm. People are having that experience one after the other. So it's very difficult. Uh, I want to talk about a few experiences. But in all of this, in in your research, did you find what I'll call the positive deviant? That's the person who, the spouse who is handling it well. And and what are they doing differently than others? Yes, uh, excellent question. The, um, you know, they're not in the majority, approximately around a third, based on, you know, my interviews, but also in the literature, um, a third really do thrive in their caregiving role. People like uh, Robertson McQuilkin from Columbia Bible College, he, you know, left his position to care for his wife and just found deep meaning in that. And, you know, the, the, um, the issues of resiliency or why they got married in the first place, you know, all feed into this sense of not just duty and not martyrism, although those are those caregivers are out there too doing you know the best they can. But there's a there's about a third of the caregivers who really thrive in their role. And the biggest um, uh, positive deviant is their mindset. And you know you talked about Norman Vincent Peale, his book yes. The Power of Positive Thinking shaped my life when I was in uh, a teenager. And I read it, and and really, you know, Wayne Dyer said, change the way you think about things, and the things you think about change. And if we, and it's more than just, you know, glossing over with 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 Pollyanna, <laughs> a Pollyanna right. attitude. It's really being honest about the struggles, not only with other people, but with yourself, and knowing what you can handle, and knowing where you need help. And when we can be honest with our situation, then we can open ourselves up, I think, to the way, you know, God or the universe or however you define it, um, you know, life really can take care of itself if we, if we start with a place of honesty. Now, you know, with, with regard to Alzheimer's, there's a lot of issues of honesty, which I'd like to just look at at the moment. You know, at the conference... Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm very taken by this because I'm not a scientist, I'm not a mathematician, and when I'm surrounded by people who think totally differently, it's very exciting. So one mm-hmm. of the things that they're looking at very carefully is how to cure it, what causes Alzheimer's and how to cure it. And new things are coming up all the time, but all the pills and medications have failed. And one of these is a very, very deep uh, method of basically washing out the brain. 
if, if I'm going to put it in really layman terms. Uh, mm. So there they're talking about these wonderful potential cures. And at the same time, the fellow who's the head of the NIA, uh, and that is the person who uh, really has the money, he now has $3.3 million, two, uh, $3.3 billion, $2 billion of which is for Alzheimer's, to give away to scientific grants. He talked about Alzheimer's. And I am telling you, in this clinical, highly technical conference, when he spoke about it, there was fear in his eyes. And we all, mm. there was a hush in the room. And what he said was, it's a terrible disease. And he took it from the potential. That moment, the air went out of the room. Because he took it from the potential of being able to do something about it and cope with it to it's a terrible disease. Period. The end. Door closed. Now, that's exactly mm. the opposite of what you want to do with your book. Sanctuary right. in the Midst of Alzheimer's, a ministry for husbands and wives caring for a spouse and dementia. It's a very, very big life-changing idea. Somebody is given this diagnosis. It's the beginning of that diagnosis. What can they mm -hmm. do with regard to positivity? Oh, gosh. Don't keep it a secret. <laughs> that was, mm -hmm. was a, a common thing in early diagnosis. A lot of times people, you know, just they don't, there's still such, such a stigma attached to it. And yet it's a brain disease. You know, it, it, right now we can't do anything about it. And, and, and the, those who want to keep it hidden away really tend to suffer more in the long run. I interviewed one gentleman uh, who had been the pastor of a church for years and years, and his wife said, we are telling people because I don't want. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. And hello, 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 this is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. A little bit of housekeeping here. We have a whole new slew of articles out there on our blog, Aging for Beginners. So please do take a look at the blog. And we've done something for you to make life easy. You can connect with us on LinkedIn and on Twitter and go to the blog and hear all of the archives of this show simply by going to one website now, and that is adrianberg.com, A-D-R-I-A-N-E-B-E-R-G.com, and this will take you to all of our speaking topics, uh, all the ways to connect to me and tell me what you want to hear on the air or tell me about your uh, conference or your event that you'd like me to speak at or, of course, uh, read our blog posts and listen to our radio show. So that's adrianberg.com, and it's even mobile-friendly. How do you like that? All right, now today we're talking about a very important topic. It's the topic of Alzheimer's, but don't click off, because it has to do with all of us, aside from the fact that it is one of the biggest issues of longevity. It is one of the reasons that people who are perfectly healthy don't have any clue if they'll ever have this affliction, say they don't want to live long, and live a life so that they're not going to live long because they view aging as a decline, mostly because of the specter of this particular issue. And uh, if you're a spouse or a caregiver in the midst of all this, or as my friends are, the children, the older children 
half of all 60-year-olds have a living parent. And in their 90s, those parents often have some form of dementia. Uh, You're going to want to read the book written by Dr. Elizabeth Shulman, our guest. It's called Sanctuary in the Midst of Alzheimer's, a ministry for husbands and wives caring for a spouse with dementia. But, of course, it's going to apply to everybody. Uh, And you can take a look at her website, sanctuaryinthemidst.com. You know about her because she's a writer for Guidepost magazine, uh, Strength and Grace. That's Norman Vincent Peale magazine. But uh, her real credential here is what she lived through personally. So before we look at spirituality, uh, Dr. Shulman, and how this may make a difference, even from a scientific point of view, uh, tell us a little bit about your experience and how you started to focus on the issue of caregivers. Uh, okay, well, I was living in Tennessee, married to a, a, a very kind, brilliant organic chemistry professor, and at the same time, directing the pastoral care department for a 600-bed nursing facility. During that time, my husband started acting stranger and stranger, and I always chalked it up to, you know, he was a science geek, <laughs> which was endearing right. to me. But Strange to begin with. Time, Right. <laughs> Over time, um, his behavior became alarming. Um, I, um, and he was eventually diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. But at this time, I was, you know, encountering all these spouses and children coming in to see their loved one in the dementia care unit at the facility where I worked. And I found myself really relating to them. How How do you interact with someone who was a companion for years and suddenly is doing things that you're embarrassed by, you're embarrassed for them. Um, you know, how do you be, how are you intimate with someone who acts so childlike and sometimes? Um, so I decided to go back to school and get my doctorate and I did my research on the experience of marriage for spouses of Alzheimer's patients. And from that, I wrote the book Sanctuary in the Midst. It's a, it's a it's a a five week Bible study. One section is for the congregation because in my research, you know, this was in the Bible Belt, so everyone was going to church. Right, <laughs> right. You had a good audience. Yeah, yeah. You right. had the target market. We call it a target market right. where I come from. Okay. <laughs> so the goal was to equip churches to walk in the shoes of a spousal caregiver so that they can then design a ministry. And, and that section includes spiritual gifts. They can design a ministry unique to their congregation to help spouses. And then the other section is for spouses who are now, you know, the primary caregivers because we're, get, we're living longer. I actually um, am happy to announce that I am including an additional four-week uh, to, just for children caring for their parents because that that's one of the big feedbacks from the book. Well, what about us kids? And so yep. I've I've now <laughs> that'll be added into the book here in the in the next month or so. But um, but you know it's bringing communities together and giving those who don't have Alzheimer's a sense of what it's like to care for someone and those who are caring for a spouse or a loved one. You know, I use personal narratives from my research. So even if you're new to a support group kind of thing or a Bible study, you read these narratives 
and you don't have to share a thing. You can just hear other people's story. And I'm finding people are going, oh, yeah, that's me. That's me. You know, because of longevity, there is so much uh, potential for Alzheimer's or other neurodegenerative Mm -hmm. diseases. Uh, we, We didn't live long enough to have this affliction in the numbers that we have today. It's really one of the big issues. And what you're doing is wonderful from a totally different point of view that I think is really important, and that's what you just said, that the community understand this disease and accept it because there are people in their midst that are not just in the nursing homes that you uh, worked in, but more and more at home that have... Mm -hmm. Uh, that have the ability to enjoy life in spurts, in different ways, through music, through certain communications. And they deserve to be able to do that. And so does their family, whether they're the older adult child or whether they're the spouse or a sibling that's taking care of them or even a caregiver, professional caregiver. And by normal, I don't want to say normalizing because it is not normal. It is not necessary to have Alzheimer's. There will be prevention. And there are things you can do Mm -hmm. now, like exercise better and eat in a certain way and all the things that make you happier and healthier to begin with. But it doesn't mean that it's your fault if you get Alzheimer's. But right now, I don't want to normalize it, but I do want to introduce it in the same way that we look differently at people with disabilities and wheelchairs. There's much more acceptance because they're out Mm -hmm. of the closet. That's the point. So, so I, I'm very interested, though, in the issue of spirituality. Obviously, that's your market. Do you find that people that have a spiritual component do better, or is that really not uh, one of the factors for, for being a, a more adjusted caregiver? You know, they do do better, and, and it, it doesn't need to be, a, you know, a certain definition of, of God or higher power, but those who, who have a sense that there is something greater than themselves, a sense of um, divineness that they can reach out to, uh, they do tend to do better because it, it gives them a framework in which to find meaning in their struggles. We don't and then want, we'll be right we back, and we'll be talking to... more about this. Yeah, we'll be talking about more about this from a scientific point of view, believe it or not. You may think that came up. You'd be surprised how it came up in the midst of all the science that was with yesterday. Don't go anywhere. And I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da. Da-da-da-da. All this people behind my back saying, oh, have you heard, have you heard, let's just spearhead it, <laughs> say this is what it is. And, and he was one of the caregivers that I interviewed who did thrive in his role as a caregiver because they shared her diagnosis. The congregation was able to surround him. And when she started behaving in ways that surprised everyone, you know, they, they knew what to expect. And so there wasn't this whispering and you know they rounded up and how can you we help think you? yep and we will be back we will be back we're going to talk about why spirituality may make a big difference surprising answer and we'll be right back i'm inappropriate for my age you may think that i'm full of it that doesn't bother me not even a bit because i am happy 
And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the Fountain of Truth. And uh, today we're talking about a truth. You know, uh, we, we know the book about environmentalism and inconvenient truth. Well, maybe this is one of the most inconvenient truths forever in my line of work, and that is that longevity, which to me is a wonderful thing because it gives you even more years to enjoy this planet and to contribute, also has its downside. And one of its downside is that there are certain diseases of aging, which many people believe can be cured through curing aging itself. But they're there, and they're very real, and they're called Alzheimer's. And today we have Dr. Elizabeth Shulman with us, uh, who is, the, is a writer for Guidepost magazine, very uh, important positive thinking magazine, Strength and Grace, that was initiated by Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, a name that I know you know. Sanctuary in the Midst of Alzheimer's, a ministry for husbands and wives caring for a spouse with dementia, is her book. It's a five-week course that you could take, and if you are a spiritual leader, that you should take, because what it will do is allow you to bring this ministry into your community, not for the people necessarily who have Alzheimer's or their caregivers, but for everybody surrounding them, and like a pearl, you know, in an oyster, when the, when the oyster accepts the pearl, it gets better and bigger in a good way. So this is, this is what we have. We have two, two units here. We have the family with the, with the issue, and then we have the community around it, and Dr. Shulman is bringing that together. So let's, let's hop right into that. This is a ministry. We, uh, I, I was very excited yesterday, Dr. Shulman, to be at a conference called Ending Age-Related Diseases. It has many parts. We're going to have many of the doctors on, many of the longevitists on, and they're going to be talking about medicine. And they're going to be talking about what to do and all that. But you know what came up over and over again? Spirituality. And you would think, what's that doing there? Very interesting. And and I'd like you to hop in on this. What they said was, look, there's a lot of things you have to do to live longer. And if you don't have a life purpose, in the end, you're just not going to bother. Because they are day-to-day kinds of things and discipline. And if you're a caregiver... And you, you have to live day to day with a tough situation and you don't have a spiritual core, the right attitude, you're just going to give up. So that all the science, mm-hmm. and they've said this, all the science that they can create is not going to work if people don't do it. So that's a whole other area called behavioral science to them. But to you, it's spirituality. Mm-hmm. So, so so let's hear about some of those things that actually inspired people not to give up. Right, right. It's it's it makes all the difference in the world. We don't want our hardships to be all for naught. <laughs> but even yeah. finding meaning in what we're doing, going beyond that and and thriving, finding a sense of purpose and 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 enjoying life. You know, I think there's this misperception that once you get to be a certain age, if you haven't found happiness, you just give up. And yet the, every moment offers an opportunity to find happiness. And a lot of it is related to just how we frame our experience. And spirituality gives us the opportunity to reframe our experience so that even if we have been married for 65 years in a marriage that 
maybe we weren't ever happy. You know, we married for out of fear or out of a sense of duty or um, even with all those years behind us, if we are in a, a situation where we are providing care and we feel resentful and there's still an opportunity to to find happiness and to find meaning. That's why in my in my um, the book, I frame questions that bring out honesty and and ways to find the positive and ways to experience joy um because because society would have us believe that as you were talking earlier about the conference this is a terrible disease well but it is what it is so if we're not at this time able to change the disease the only thing we can change is our own perception and that's our responsibility to change that. No one else can change it for us. So part of my goal in the book is to help people find ways, you know, to to experience that positiveness in the midst of Alzheimer's or dementia. So I want to talk a little bit about the issue of shame, which is which is very interesting here. Uh, hmm. We are a culture that imposes a lot of shame for different reasons. And we're getting out of that culture. We, we work hard. We even have a, a phrase, body shaming. Uh, in the old days, mm-hmm. it used to be fine to tell somebody they were fat, even if they were a kid. It was, <laughs> it was fine. And then, you know, it's your business. You've got to tell somebody else mm-hmm. what, what's wrong with them and shame them. And it's hurtful and it's, right. it's scarring. But Alzheimer's has a stigma. Uh, just like mental, mental illness has a stigma of its own. Alzheimer's is almost like, well, you know, not everybody gets it. And thank heaven, not everybody does get it. What's wrong with their weak-mindedness? Uh, what didn't they take care of? Uh, and then the, the caregiver has a, a shame. Are they doing enough? Mm-hmm. Uh, are they devoted enough? How come she's out having a mm-hmm. good time? I saw her in the, in the movies. I saw her at lunch laughing. Her husband has Alzheimer's. Uh, it's a shaming society, and we're trying to atrophy that, make it less and less in different situations, but we haven't addressed it here. Uh, what do you see with regard to the many, many people that you've helped in the ministry and the people who come to you to tell their story? Oh, what I have seen is I think the strongest, um, the the most prevalent issue is the caregiver's sense of isolation, Mm-hmm. And not being able to reach out. And, and the adage, caregiving can kill the caregiver, is I've seen it. I, I have been a hospice chaplain for, for many years, and I had one incident where a, a 72-year-old gentleman, I think he was 72, was caring for his mother in, his ni- in her 90s, completely caring for her. She was bedbound. And over time, he started to look a little... Warned, and I mentioned, are you taking care of yourself? Oh, if I'm fine, you know. And he ended up dying of cancer, you know, nine months or so before his mom. And I thought, and and it was really related to not taking time for himself, and and you know, well, it's just it's so sad to see. That, you know, I guess I'll use an example of Jesus. When he, before he addressed crowds, he often went off by himself to pray. He took care of himself and, and kind of reconnected. And then 
he addressed the masses and look at the influence he had. So if, if we are right, if he can do it. <laughs> someone, <laughs> yeah, if he right. can do it, <laughs> just, just to go off. Yeah, I remember it, when I, yeah, I just wanted to mention ahead, this. Sorry. This is so true of great religious leaders. If you, if you read, if you read books, even of contemporary religious leaders, you'd be surprised what good care they took of themselves. Uh, and mm-hmm. that too, that too is part of a ministry and care for the caregiver. I mentioned that earlier to you during one of our breaks, which is, which started with Reverend Gregory Johnson, a good friend of mine who preaches at Marble Collegiate Church uh, and holds mm. caregiver forums at Marble Collegiate Church even today. Um, care for the caregiver is one of the many organizations out there that help you take care of yourself, that have retreats, uh, trips. They call them respite trips for caregivers. Mm-hmm. There's the National Caregivers Association. So there are. They're, unfortunately, they're not known enough. Your book isn't known right. enough. It needs to be known. Uh, and each of the right. p- persons who've, who've gotten information about that for themselves, please go to my website and tell me. Because I don't know all of them either. And I speak about this everywhere. So, so mm-hmm. going back, though, um, to, to the business of isolation, is it the community? Is it that they don't know about these organizations? Or is it just something that they want to retreat from the world? I think often they're so overwhelmed that they don't even feel they can take a, a break just to even reach out to an Alzheimer's support group. Or And the interesting thing or the thing I have found over and over is that people want to help. They really do. People will rise to the occasion to help you if they know that you need it. And that goes back to the honesty thing, calling up a friend. And and respite is the number one thing people are looking for. Can you please sit with my mom just for an hour so I can take a walk? And that is the over and over I see. Just They just need a little bit of time. And the time doesn't need to be taken to... You know, get on a weekend getaway. And go to a ball. Just a few minutes. So we'll be back. Yeah. We'll tell you about something called Share the Care. You are a caregiver. It could change your life. Don't go anywhere. And I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da. Da-da-da-da. You may think that I'm full of it. But that doesn't bother me not even a bit. Because I am happy. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. It is the audio companion piece, let's say, to our blog. The blog has totally different topics, and of course, they're little stories that I think you'll find useful because it's published by Bottom Line Personal. Bottom Line Personal, if you don't know it, is the largest newsletter in the country for self-help and how-tos. And they do everything to how to fix a fence to uh, my latest, how to hula hoop and learn how to do things physically, like ride a bike or swim, that you weren't able to do all your life as a kid and how you can do it as you get older. So it's a massive how-to situation. And take a look at it, Aging for Beginners, and you'll be easily able to get to that and to our speaker's website and to our radio website at adrianeberg.com. My name, adrianberg.com. So yesterday I was at a major conference. It's actually going on today, too, 
It's a lifespan conference. It's all of the major, very heavy hitters, uh, doctors and scientists in the field of aging disease research. These are the folks who want to look at aging as a disease because they believe if they cure aging, they'll cure heart attacks, cancer, particularly cancer, and definitely Alzheimer's. But right now, they don't have a cure, and we have a spiritual look at this situation with our guest, Dr. Elizabeth Shulman. Take a look at her website, which is Elizabeth Shulman's, S-H-U-L-M-A-N.com, and her latest book, Sanctuary in the Midst of Alzheimer's, a ministry for husbands and wives caring for a spouse with dementia. Uh, She says that although she did write it for the Bible Belt, it's not evangelical, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but it's not, and it can be adapted and adaptive um, in many, many community situations because it's a course. It, it includes a course of how to lift the spirits of people in this situation. But Dr. Shulman is extremely practical also, and she wants to talk a little bit about this issue of caregiving and self-care, and I have a very important resource to add to that. Uh, after our discussion. So tell me, Dr. Shulman, I know I said, what's, you got to get something out. What's burning? And you said, well, I, I need to talk more about the caregiver. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I think we, when we think of caring for ourselves, people think of, oh, I don't have time for a massage or, you know, a weekend getaway. But it can be something just as simple as identifying something that brings you interest. You talked, I love you talked about the hula hoop. <laughs> that's, yep. that's a perfect example. When I was caring for my husband and I had four small children, I knew I could not get away. And so I thought, what, what even just piques my interest? And, you know, it's the weirdest thing. It was floor plans. How <laughs> floor plans. I picked up a magazine at the checkout line and I was fascinated and I bought a pad of paper, and every day I would just sketch floor plans for my dream home. And that one little act helped me have a little bit of respite. That and taking 30 seconds to close my eyes and just breathe. We, we, we do not give enough <laughs> attention to just being in the moment. And really when we're just present, things fall into place you know even if the, it feels chaotic around us if we can center ourselves if we can find one little activity that wouldn't make sense to anyone else but for some reason we like to do it if we can just take time for that it really kind of bleeds into the rest of the day and gives us some resiliency and ability to just carry on you know, I, this is hard to articulate on the radio, but I, I, I want to run with this because this one thing may inform more people listening to this show because it doesn't only have to do with Alzheimer's or even aging. There are some things that make your heart beat faster in a good way. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. But no, it's nobody's business but yours what it is, as long as you're not hurting anybody else. So, right. <laughs> uh, and, just, and, and, and you know what it is. You know what it is. And it's probably something really tiny and easy to put in your life. It's so funny that you said floor plans. I like to look at uh, houses and condos for sale all over the world. And I do mm-hmm. it by looking at Zillow, uh, Trulia, you know, all those, uh, all those websites that 
that sell and, and give you pictures. And I put in different price ranges. I'm not buying anything. And I just like <laughs> to see how they're decorated. So, so I thought, you know, what's wrong with me? But I do it in the privacy of my home. And a friend of mine said, oh, you're into real estate porn. <laughs> Apparently, there, there are people all over the world <laughs> that look at those websites just like I do, right? Whenever they want a little yeah. bit of a lift, a little bit of a kick, and it has a name. It's called real estate porn. Now, who right. knows? But, but I'm telling you, I could be in the doldrums, and if I see how somebody's decorated their condo in Lisbon, I'm a happy camper. So, <laughs> so I don't know what's going on in the hearts and minds of my listeners, but go with it as long and you're probably not alone. You're probably not alone. All right. So I did want to, I, I wanted to share something, which is a real share, and it's called Share the Care. We've had the um, the founder of Share the Care on our show. It's a website also uh, where you can um, do a couple of things. You can say what you need, like I need somebody just for Tuesday to shop for my mom. Or hmm. you can get your family members or friends together to get on an organized site and share the care online and schedule what they'll do for you. And this is exactly what Dr. Shulman is saying. You feel you don't have time for your massage or you have to only do your real estate porn. But uh, <laughs> you do probably have time for a massage because if you have somebody or a community that takes care every once in a while in this organized way online, share the care, you can schedule out some things for your, for your family members. And I urge you, if you don't have this situation, and I hope you don't, reach out to somebody you know does and give them a respite because it's so important. And I can't believe it, but we did come to the end of our show, uh, Dr. Shulman. So I just want to tell everybody where to find your great work. Take a look at sanctuaryinthemidst.com. Uh, take a look at Elizabeth Shulman, S-H-U-L-M-A-N.com. This is a life changer. You already, if you're in this situation, you've had a negative life changer. Time for reframing, as Dr. Shulman would say, into a positive life changer. And for everybody else, you know that I believe that you can contribute up to the end uh, of your life and that if you have contribution, that end will come much later. And it is one of the components of longevity to do the following. Get out there, kids, and make it happen. 